Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, another Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. As as I said on Thursday, we are traveling back to Ohio today as you're listening to this. So uh, giving you a couple Hey Mary Kay podcasts here to get you into the weekend. We'll get back to kind of our normal schedule, some longer pods next week as we all kind of get into situations where it's a little easier to record. It's not always easy to record here in Indy, Mary Kay. We're always in different places hotel rooms, hotel lobbies, convention centers, all it's, it's just not easy to, to sit down and record long pods when we're at this thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, um, I'm actually in a, like in a hotel lobby situation right now. And I had to walk around and try to find a place where there wasn't a bunch of music playing and a bunch (laughs) of people talking to each other and who knows what's going to be going on behind me. And just when you think you have it nailed, then, uh, you know, somebody takes a call behind you or whatever. So yeah, it can be a little bit challenging, but we always, we always get it done no matter what. Of course we do. That's what, that's what makes it exciting. <laughs> um, all right, yep. let's get to, let's get to some questions. This first one comes from Ruth from Billings, Montana. Hey, Mary Kay, during Deshaun's interview with Quince, with Quincy Avery, he mentioned he likes to be coached hard. He doesn't want to pat on the back and we'll get it next time. He sounded like he wants a chewing out when he needs it. Does Alex Van Pelt have that personality or coaching style? Yeah, I think he does. I think I think Alex uh, Van Pelt, having been a former quarterback himself, uh, he know you know he tells it like it is. Uh, you know he's he's a you know he's a tough, no nonsense coach. I mean he he will uh, understand. I think exactly when Deshaun needs to be coached hard, and then there are going to be times where even if Deshaun doesn't realize it, where you do need that pat on the back, where you do need some encouragement, especially when you're learning an entirely new offense, a new system, a new city, new personnel, uh, you know, you're going to need some support. And uh, so I think Alex does a great job of providing all of that. Um, but I think he will give Deshaun what he needs. And that is to be, um, you know, to be coached really hard, when he needs it and to be told that, you know, you screw that up. And I don't think Alex will have any problem doing that whatsoever. Yeah. And we've talked about, it. I mean, this guy's a former quarterback um, has coached. I mean, he, he coached Aaron Rodgers. Like he, he knows how to deal with people and he knows, he knows what it takes to get the job done. Um, so, you know, I don't think you can get where you've gotten as Alex Van Pelt. If you can't kind of figure out how to coach guys and how guys need to be coached. Yeah. And you know what? And I'm sure you probably agree with this, Dan. 
if Aaron Rodgers really, really likes you, that is an enormous stamp of, of approval because he does not pull any punches. He tells it like it is. If he doesn't like someone, uh, he will make it known, you know, to the organization or whatever. He's not going to be coming out publicly and praising that person, which he has done a number of times about Alex Van Pelt. So if the, you know, if the perfectionist, you know, future first ballot Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, loved being coached by Alex Van Pelt, then I, I think that Deshaun Watson is going to be in really, really good hands. I think it's great that he's back in the quarterback room. I really do. I think it's going to be tremendous for Deshaun. I think that, uh, you know, between him and Kevin and then Ashton Grant in there, I, I like the way uh, that they set it up. And I think it's going to be conducive to a really nice season for Deshaun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. I, th- I think the people Aaron Rodgers likes is a, it's a small list. It's like Pat mm-hmm. McAfee. It's, I guess Alex Van Pelt. I mean, I remember after that Packers game last year, the two uh, came together, and, and Aaron was was very excited to see him. So um, that's uh, yeah. I, I think that I think that says something. Uh, we answered mm-hmm. some Jim Schwartz questions on the Thursday pod. Here's another one from Carloso in Plymouth, Massachusetts. This does have to do with the um, with Jim Schwartz's role. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, when Schwartz was hired, he made a point that he would leave other defensive coach decisions to Stefanski. Barry, given the recent upheaval in coaching, do you think that Schwartz's input is larger than initially stated? That's a little bit in contradiction to to what we said, I think, on Thursday's pod. But I think uh, Carlos was referring to, um, you know, like somebody like Jeff Howard leaving and, and some moves like that. You know what? I think that it's about what it was going to be because they promoted Ben Bloom to defensive line coach. And he's been here for, you know, the whole time under Kevin Stefanski, his, his second stint with the Cleveland Browns. If Jim Schwartz had wanted, uh, you know, someone else and really jumped on the table for someone else, you know, it, you know, he probably would have gotten that. So I think he deferred to Kevin on this. I think they saw and they see something in Ben Bloom and they feel really good about, um, you know, the way that, uh, you know, he's coached the defense and the run, you know, the uh, the run game, defensive run game. And um, and so, you know, I think that's a sign right there that, um, you know, that Kevin is in charge of the coaching staff. And the same thing to a certain extent in the secondary, they promoted um, to cornerbacks coach, their assistant cornerbacks coach, Brandon Lynch. And then I'm not exactly sure the connection. We actually didn't get to squeeze that question in yesterday, like what was the connection with if Ephraim Banda, the former Utah State defensive coordinator who is now the safeties coach? Maybe that was a Jim Schwartz thing. I don't know. Like we, you know, that's something we will still need to explore a little bit, but it's not like he went out and brought in three or four of his own guys. These were uh, guys that were here for the most part and, uh, and ones that will, um, you know, kind of fall in line with what Jim is doing. Okay, here's one we have not addressed yet. And so I'm actually glad somebody brought it up because we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. Uh, this comes from Bob Summercamp in Cincinnati. Hey, Mary Kay, with the Haslam's buying some of the bucks, will this affect anything money-wise with the Browns signing players? And we can even expand that to, will this affect the Browns at all? You know, I'm going to say absolutely not. It will not affect the Browns at all. 
Uh, I think they'll, for the most part, look at them as two different entities. I don't think they needed to, um, you know, borrow from Peter to pay Paul or anything like that. I, I think that uh, they have what they need when you're dealing in the billions, $3.5 billion uh, to buy the 25% stake in the bucks. Uh, you know, when you have that kind of money, you're not going to be worried about, uh, you know, can we sign the free agents that we need to get the Cleveland Browns to the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, they're, they're all in on this and they remain that way, uh, regardless of the Bucks acquisition. And, uh, and I, I think that, you know, they showed that they mean business when they went out and paid Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed. And that financial commitment isn't changing anytime soon. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is anything that fans should look at and, and be nervous about. Um, you know, I think about Stan Kroenke, who actually won a Super Bowl and a Stanley Cup in the same year because he owns uh, the the Rams and then also owns the Colorado Avalanche. So it's not completely unheard of for owners to own multiple sports, like major sports franchises. Um, we know the Haslam's are involved in Major League Soccer too. Is that still what it's called? Whatever it is, the Columbus Crew. Um, yep. So we know they're very involved there. You know, it's all just assets. That's all it is. I mean, this is owning twenty five percent of the bucks is really valuable. Like things in mm-hmm. professional sports just kind of keep getting more and more valuable. And you mentioned it with when, when this sale. I don't know if it's officially gone through yet or not, but when it does, that valuation of the bucks is going to be huge. So. Just this, this sets a, a higher valuation of the bucks and like, th- that's all it is. It's, it's just them making an investment and they'll be involved obviously, but it's them making an investment in something that's like pro sports just kind of sprints, prints money right now. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I don't, you know what, I don't know what the latest valuation on the Cleveland Browns is, uh, but I would have to think that at this time, the return on investment has been phenomenal for them. And I'm sure it will be the same thing, uh, you know, with the Bucks, with the TV contracts and the way everything uh, is going. These are amazing investments. Not that many people can afford to do them. And they're taking full advantage of it. And they're growing their Haslam Sports Group portfolio. And, um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, as Clevelanders, uh, you know, Cleveland residents should feel fortunate uh, that they have the Haslams who are willing to invest uh, you know, in, in the Browns, in the city. And, um, and I think that as, as we move forward and there's a new renovated stadium coming down the pike here, uh, you know, that that will add to the revitalization of downtown. And I think that is so very important for Cleveland. Yeah, they, they've certainly made that investment and, um, you know, the stuff they do with the, the schools and, you know, getting attendance and, uh, putting in the turf fields. Those are all, um, those are all great wins here for, for the city to have them in Cleveland and have them be a part of Cleveland. Although it is going to be awkward in May when the, when the Haslam's are sitting courtside in Milwaukee wearing Bucks gear. I don't know what they would be wearing, wearing Bucks gear going against Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs, but yeah, uh, it is what it is. It is. (laughs) Are you hearing this, all this music in the background now, Dan, speaking of, I am am not. Um, so I think you're okay. I think we're okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) there's piano music going on now. Well, there we go. That's Uh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) So what we'll do is we'll take a break and then we had some questions about the combine and a few other things. Uh, and we'll get to those on the other side here. 
Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a Hey Mary Kay edition here on a Friday. Uh, okay, let's get to it. Um, this comes from Jeff Sapesi in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Hey Mary Kay, is the combine overrated? Do these 40-yard dashes and other tests really help identify players who can, who can succeed in the NFL real world? If so, which tests or skill measurements are the most insightful? Well, you know what? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of push from from the NFLPA, and I'm sure if J.C. Treader, former Browns center, current president still of the NFLPA, has his way, and if Demora Smith, the uh, you know the the head of the NFLPA, if they have their way, they would love to abolish the NFL Combine because they don't feel uh, you know players should have to come here and and do the kinds of things that they have to do. They're not getting paid to do this. Um, and, you know, you can make or break your, your career by coming here and having a slow time and, and those kinds of things. So I do think that, um, you know, there is a world in which there's going to be a push for these players not to come here and participate in the NFL combine. And, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, the, the way the college game has changed so, so much with the NIL stuff, you know, maybe that'll even have some kind of an impact on this. I'm not sure if it will or not. Um, but in, just in terms of what you can see and what you can do here, I think one of the biggest things is the quarterbacks throwing. Everybody loves to see that. I think there's, you know, there's something to be said for that. However, you know, I actually think it's, um, you know, more useful to watch them during practices at like a, you know, a senior bowl, which Andrew even called, you know, sort of the premier co- college all-star game. The problem with that is that it doesn't take into account all the juniors that, you know, that are in the draft. So you don't get to see those guys doing those kinds of things. But um, it's useful to a degree. A lot of guys don't work out here. Um, the 40 times are always very, very intriguing. But, you know, I mean, if, if you don't have a good one, you go do it again at your pro day. So I don't know. We'll have to see where this whole thing is going to go. I have to wonder if there's going to be a combine five years from now. And so much of it, too, is like just it's the getting the medical stuff and you know, that's important, but even the interviews with the teams, these guys are so prepared and so ready. Like they train for the combine, all aspects of it. So Mm -hmm. I do wonder how much you get out of it. I think, you know, he mentioned the 40 time there's little things, you know, I know 10 yard split is a big thing for, for defensive linemen. It kind of helps you show explosiveness. That's always something to keep an eye on. Um, But yeah, you know, I don't know. Is it the three cone drill that Bill Belichick loved? There was some drill that Bill Belichick mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, I think that, loved. Yeah, I, I think, think it was the was three it. cone. Yeah, yeah. So what, whatever it is about that, um, apparently that's a that's a very valuable drill um, as well. Okay, this is a pretty straightforward question. It comes from Jan C4s in Kingsville, uh, TC. Hey, Mary Kay. Can you please lay out the timeline from combine to the draft and why is it so important that we don't have any, that the Browns don't have any early picks? Pretty straightforward. I mean, what, like what's next now, you know, after this, what comes after the combine leading into the draft and and why is it so difficult for this team that they don't have those high picks? Well, first of all, um, and I will describe some of them, but if you if you get a chance and you really want to you know take a, a look at this, I did a you know key dates for the Browns coming up over the next uh, couple of months, and that is on you can find that on cleveland.com. But um, so what happens right after this is, uh, as I mentioned before, Andrew Berry is here meeting with all different kinds of agents, and um, and they are talking about restructuring and all that sort of thing, possible 
trade parameters. And so what happens next is the pre-free agency period starts on March 13th. Uh, that's two days of negotiating, but not sealing the deal uh, with the agents of prospective free agents. So in those first two days, a lot of the deals, um, you know, that's where they, that's where they happen. I mean, a, a lot of guys fly off the market in those first two days. In between now and then, uh, we will be waiting to hear more about who gets franchised, uh, who gets tagged, who gets extended, and who doesn't hit the market. And that's going to be huge. You could have a wish list right now, and it can shrink uh, exponentially between now and, uh, and March 13th. So uh, you never know exactly who's going to become available, and the guys that you really want right now might end up staying with their current teams. So uh, that's what happens between now and March 13th. Then on March 15th, all of your free agents become free agents, and we know who's going. I mean, Jadavian Clowney's going. Greedy Williams is going. Kareem Hunt is going. These guys are not going to be resigned by the Browns. Uh, there are some that they would like to try to get back, like Ethan Posick, but he will be in demand uh, out on the open market. He's the best center out there. Um, the Browns will we – have, we know they will release John Johnson 3 at that time. I, I wrote that uh, Bengal safety Jesse Bates is one of the guys that's on their ra- radar, along with a number of other top name guys. You can't sign all of them, but you have to target, you know, you might target five big name defenders and you end up with maybe one. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of how this whole thing works. And then the free agency period is hot and heavy for the first two weeks. And then... Um, and it goes on after, it lingers on after that for the second wave and the third wave. But then the NFL owners meetings happens March 26th through the 29th in Phoenix. I will be going to that. That's an opportunity for us to check in with the Haslams, talk to them about all kinds of things, including how they feel about, uh, you know, their commitment to Deshaun Watson, how they feel about Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, this regime, talk about the renovated stadium and all those kinds of things. Um, sometimes Roster acquisitions take place still uh, while you're at the at the meetings, and then and then you're really like just barreling towards the NFL draft, which is at the end of April, and then you've got your 30 visits. That's 30 college players, not the local guys, because they do a local day specifically for them. But the 30 visits, you can bring in 30 guys to your facility, not for workouts, but for medicals and meetings. And uh, the Browns, I'm sure, will take full advantage of that, even though they don't have a first-round pick. And, um, you know, they only have one selection in the first 97 picks as of right now. But that could change also between uh, now and the draft. And there's part of me that thinks it will, either before the draft or on draft day or on draft weekend, that they will get another pick somewhere in that first 97. Yeah, it's it's going to be busy. Um, a lot of things happen here after the combine. Okay, I want to get to this question. Um, and I look, there's a chance that maybe this gets resolved between this question and when when we ask it. So if it happens, just go ahead and hit that fast forward button through this question. But this does affect the Browns. Hey, Mary Kay. Uh, no name on this. My question is about Lamar Jackson. Do you think he will come to terms with the Ravens, or if he will look for a deal elsewhere? Or will he play under the franchise tag? It sounds like they are not on the same page. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think they're on the same page. And um, I, I think it's gotten very tenuous over there. And it's, it's, there's a lot of eyes on that 
job to see what's going to happen in terms of will they have an opening at quarterback? Will they make a trade? Um, it, it almost seems like there's enough bad blood there that you have to wonder if they are not going to part ways. Uh, it seems really incredibly hard to believe. I, we know that John Harbaugh doesn't want that to happen. I'm sure that there are others in the organization that don't want to see that happen. But, uh, you know, it's been a stressful time for, for both sides. And, uh, and I think that Deshaun Watson's contract, you know, had a ripple effect on Lamar Jackson. He wants that fully guaranteed contract. He wants that kind of money or now more. The price has gone up since then. Um, so, you know, if, if they can't come to some kind of an agreement, then, you know, who knows if, if they end up trading him and, and starting over, but it definitely impacts the Cleveland Browns. And who would have thought that when they gave Deshaun Watson that big money, uh, that it would, you know, have this kind of a ripple effect and we don't know how it's going to turn out yet, but, um, it certainly is having a huge impact on the Ravens. And it's interesting, too, because it was the Ravens who were, like, I think they were the most outspoken after the Deshaun contract. Mm -hmm. um, I know there was grumbling from elsewhere, but the Ravens were, like, they were really outspoken of, about that contract and the effect it was going to have on them. And, you know, now that we're kind of where we are with this Lamar Jackson situation, it's just really sort of, it's surprising because this is a franchise quarterback and you don't expect to see this happen with a franchise quarterback. But, you know, those were sort of red flags that, that were getting sent up when the Ravens were like, man, I can't believe the Browns did this. They, they kind of ruined things for everybody, it, you know, instead of sort of just saying, yeah, we'd be willing to give Lamar Jackson guaranteed money because he's our franchise quarterback. Yeah, they were not happy about it. And as you mentioned, uh, their owner at the owners meetings was the most vocal. He was the first to say what many other teams were thinking, uh, that they didn't like it. And, um, you know, he also, you know, sort of threw in there that he didn't think that Deshaun Watson, who had so many off the field issues at the time, should be the first player in the history of the NFL to receive the fully guaranteed contract. So, uh, some pretty star strong statements by him back then, but you can bet that uh, Lamar Jackson was listening up. And here we are uh, with the league year about to begin in a couple of weeks, and they don't know what's going on with their quarterback. And it really, it, it's going to impact the entire, not just the AFC North, but the whole AFC race and potentially, you know, the playoffs and the Super Bowl. I mean, if you have Lamar Jackson, you know, anything can happen. I mean, you could end up taking your team to the Super Bowl. So now, you know, we don't know if uh, the AFC North is going to have, you know, two really good elite quarterbacks and two that are kind of, you know, suspect a little bit, or if there will be three or what the deal is going to be happening. Yeah, well, and now Joe Burrow is up for his extension. We'll we'll kind of see how that all goes. The Bengals are not necessarily a team that spends a lot. I, th I think they made it pretty clear that they are going to get something done with Joe. But you know, until it happens, who knows? Like you just never know where these things can go. I don't think any of us imagined this is where things would be with Lamar Jackson. I mean, if you're another team and the and the Ravens don't use the exclusive tag and they go with the non-exclusive one, which is the one most teams use. I would imagine there's plenty of teams that would willingly give up two first round picks to sign mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson away from Baltimore and probably guarantee him the money he wants. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes a change of scenery 
is exactly what a team and a player needs. And it sounds to me like right now, it almost feels like they both need that. I, you know, it's, it's, it's tense there. It's definitely tense. I've talked to a few people and it's, you know, it's kind of dicey. So there, you know, there are some situations going on, QB situations going on around the league where, you know, perhaps they can explore other alternatives and uh, try to figure something else out. But uh, this, this one is kind of hanging in the balance and people are waiting to see where it's all going to go. Okay, last one. This is an easy one uh, as we leave Indianapolis in our rearview mirror for another year. Brian from Bloomington, Indiana. Hey, Mary Kay, what are your top three favorite restaurants in Indianapolis? Oh, that's that's a good one. We are. <laughs> I mean, very we, we just have to start with Harry and Izzy's, right? We just yeah, yeah. That's we'll the one everybody says. Yeah, I mean, we everyone says St. Elmo's really is what. Oh yeah, eating. that's true. That's true. Yeah, so people start with St. Elmo's, but we have you know we kind of skip over St. Elmo's because it's always really crowded. It's very hard to get into and it's very expensive, I might add. So Harry and Izzy's is sort of St. Elmo's light owned by the same company, same shrimp cocktail, uh, you know, same other things on the menu. So we end up going there a lot. You don't, you might, you know, you can show up in jeans or whatever. Um, nice big round bar in the middle. I mean, it's kind of a cool place. So uh, that's probably, that. I would say that's our number one. Um, and then, you know, you got to put St. Elmo's on the list. I mean, if, if we weren't going to Harry and Izzy's, uh, and we felt like we could cost cleveland.com a bunch of money, we would go to, uh, we would then go to St. Elmo's and then, um, there's an Italian restaurant as we're, as we're taping this on Thursday, there's an Italian restaurant and I don't know if I'm going to be pronouncing this right, Dan, but it's like Iaria. Did you think? Yes. Is, is, sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't find my unmute button. Oh no, yes, that's it's okay. I, it's Iarias. Okay, Iarias, um, and it's it's amazing. It's uh, it's really good. So we're excited to do that tonight. And then we've been having, um, you know, we've we've been having a a good time going going out and trying to you know connect with people and and see some old familiar faces. We ran into Joe Woods last night. We talked to him for a while. Uh, that was really cool to see him. I think we, you know, we can all agree that he was a great guy, great to talk to, great to cover. And, uh, you know, we wish him the best in his new role as defensive coordinator of the New Orleans Saints. But that's what you do. You try to go out and you make some connections and you meet some people and you get some information. And that's that's part of what the Combine is all about. So I, for one, hope that they don't ever cancel the Combine <laughs> because, uh, you know, some some pretty cool connections can happen and, um and yeah, it's uh, it's just it's it's very unique to be in a place where, you know, the whole NFL, not not the current players per se, but you know, all the whole front office of every team, and then all co- college players, and then all the media shows up in one city in one week. So it's it's a unique setting, and um, and it's it's kind of fun actually. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a really unique event, and I, I mean, I know you, you know you've been to Super Bowls, obviously, and I know that that a lot of the NFL world descends on the Super Bowl every year. But um, the the combine is just you're talking the biggest decision makers. There's only a handful of coaches and GMs that don't, or it's probably really just coaches that don't come to this. It's it's scouts, it's GMs, it's coaches, it's you know sometimes it's players looking for their next opportunity. 
guys mm-hmm. who have retired and they show up and they're trying to get trying to get back into the business and get coaching jobs and front office jobs. Like it's this is the NFL's big networking event right here. It's it's well, pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, like for instance, uh, several times I've seen former Browns quarterback Josh McCown. Uh, you know, here he has been uh, he hired as the quarterbacks coach of the Panthers. They don't even know, know who their quarterback is yet. So it was fun to check in with him. Uh, I checked in with Dave Ragone, the former St. Ignatius star. Um, you know, he's here. He is the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Uh, last night we ran into Jim O'Neill, the <laughs> former defensive coordinator of the Browns. Um, so it's just, you know, all these old faces that you see, as I mentioned, we talked to, to Joe Woods and, um, you know, it's just like that. You, um, you know, you see so many people and so many people have come through Cleveland. Like, you know, almost everybody's coached in Cleveland at one point or another with all the different changes. Oh, I saw Chris Tabor today, a uh, former special teams coordinator of the Browns. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a good way to, um, you know, to, to cover the beat is, is to be here and establish all of those kind of connections. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a, it's a great event. Um, I guess we have to add another restaurant. We did go to the um, it's called Nada, the a Mexican yes. restaurant. That was that was pretty good. So we'll add that to the mix. Um, yeah, as that, well. that's so if, good. if we have to list three, let's go ahead and just throw that one in uh, as our third. But there's a lot of good options um, in downtown Indianapolis for sure. Uh, you know, you mentioned the stadium, and it would it would be very wise for the city of Cleveland to kind of see what they do here, see what they do in other places that are big convention cities like this um, and, and kind of how the, how all of that is laid out. But we'll save all that for another pod. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Friday, the Hey Mary Kay edition. Uh, as always, those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash browns to become one of our texters, get a newsletter every day, and also get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com and to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 